It's showtime. So there are these three vampires who are lifelong friends. They decide they want to take a trip together to Transylvania, go back to the motherland. So on the first day of their trip, they stop into a bar for a drink. Now this is a Transylvanian bar. So it is a vampire bar. Not only do they have regular stuff that you would find at any other kind of bar, they also have blood because they are trying to cater to their clientele. These three vampires, they have a seat. The bartender comes up to him and says, what do you have, fellas? The first vampire says, uh, just give me a pint of O-positive blood. Bartender says, no problem. Pours the first vampire a pint of O-positive. Asks the second vampire, what would you like? The second vampire was feeling a little, little fancy. He was happy that he was on vacation. He's been doing pretty well. And he says, you know what, I think I want to treat myself a little bit, and I think I want a glass of AB negative. And all the regulars at the bar hear what the second vampire orders, and ooh. Bartender has to go downstairs to his private stock and get the bottle of AB negative, pours it for the second vampire. Second vampire starts drinking it, loves it. Now the third vampire, he's English. He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a tissue and says to the bartender, I'm just going to have a cup of hot water. The other two vampires look at him and say, why do you want just a cup of hot water? The bartender puts the hot water in front of the third vampire, and he unrolls the tissue that he took out of his pocket, and there's a bloody tampon in it. The third vampire grabs the bloody tampon, puts it over the cup of hot water, and twists it. And he says, it's four o'clock, time for tea. Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matthew. Like I've been doing a lot lately, I want to apologize to my mother-in-law for that joke. Not because I think that she wouldn't like it. I think she would like it. I think she's going to find it fucking hysterical. But she's out there fighting the good fight for me and having some of her friends listen to the podcast. And she's going to do that with this episode, or, you know, she might. And she'll have no idea that it starts with that disgusting fucking joke. So her friends might think, how on earth did you let your daughter marry this person? Which is a completely fair question. I've asked her several times. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope that you guys had a blast over the weekend. I hope that you guys were safe. I hope that you guys were good. And if you weren't, as my grandfather says, if you couldn't be good, I hope you had some fun. Every year, we we try to get to some parties. And over the last couple of years, we were trying to do two or three parties a night. And it was just so much travel and driving and stuff. We just kind of decided, you know what? We're not doing parties. And we went to the fucking gay bar. We went to the best gay bar near where we live. If you have never been to a gay bar on Halloween... You guys are missing out. The costumes are awesome. The girls are beautiful. They may have dicks, but does it really matter? They're beautiful. 
everyone's got an amazing ass there. They're mostly men, but it doesn't matter. Everyone has an amazing ass there. I saw some pumpkin style jock straps, which were great. There was a go-go dancer there who had a mustache. I'm not usually the biggest fan of mustaches, but this dude pulled it off really well. I was flirting with this guy all night, putting singles in his panties. It was phenomenal. Normally, I don't pay for drinks at gay bars. I just do not. No matter how many times I tried to tell the boys, you can buy me a drink, but I promise you I'm straight. None of them believe me, which is actually pretty fair. So I will take all the free drinks that are offered to me, which I did do this time as well. And the gentlemen out there who are listening to this, you guys might judge me, but I know the ladies won't. Why? Because the ladies know we have done worse for less. Now, I do have a little bit of housekeeping. I'm going to be messing with the sound and the clarity of this whole shit show that I'm doing starting with this episode and then over the next couple of weeks. So if you notice that it might sound different, I am aware of that. I'm kind of fucking with things right now and seeing if I can make it a little bit better. So if you hear something that you don't like or if the quality has changed and you particularly do enjoy it, please let me know. Because like I have said a billion times already, I have no fucking idea what I am doing. I am flying by the seat of my pants every single time I am doing this. So just trying to make it a little bit better. And the best way to measure that is by you guys, because I have no clue. I also, over this last weekend, had my last day of work at Best Buy after 13 years and It was weird, man. I felt like a ghost. I think that I am still in denial. I do want to give a particular shout out to my direct boss, my direct manager. When I shook his hand and told him it was a pleasure working with him, he didn't even look up from his phone and his entire response was, and I quote, yeah, end quote. You guys have been asking me where I'm going next. And I'm going to tell you, so starting on Monday, the 31st at 10 a.m., I am going to be running an adult uh, toy, book, and lingerie store. I am going to be one of the ones actually running it. I report directly to the district manager. It is a step up from what I have been doing. I'm so excited to get to that next level. And you guys are in for hopefully some of the best stories that you are ever going to hear. I cannot imagine there is going to be one single boring day of work. So I am super excited. You guys will be hearing all about every experience that I have because, wow, I just could not think of a better job for myself. It's going to be a comedy of riches, and I will be passing that along to you guys. That may not be the last of the announcements, by the way. Keep a weather ear out in the coming weeks because I do have a few more things to share. I am putting a few finishing touches on a few big, big things, so I don't want to say anything just yet, but I do have some more big news coming down the line, which I cannot wait to share with you guys. I wanted to go into a couple of answers from the gold star question I asked last week. As usual, I got a ton of responses. Appreciate that endlessly. The question that we had last week was, 
What is your YouTube rabbit hole that you like to go down? Some of the answers that I got were Graham Norton. First of all, if you don't know who Graham Norton is, he does a talk show in England. So if you think about Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, and Stephen Colbert kind of all put together, he is that. He is all of them in one. Everybody on the island over there loves Graham Norton. He's one of those people that is just universally adored. He doesn't often have just one guest. He has a big red couch where he'll have several different guests who have never interacted with each other and they have a great time. He always has a good time on his show. Graham Norton clips are phenomenal. The ones that I would recommend right off the bat, anytime Ian McKellen does Maggie Smith impressions, it is an A+. There is a Chris Pratt card trick with Jennifer Lawrence, uh, my future ex-wife, Jennifer Lawrence, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, Chris Pratt actually does this amazing card trick, and Jennifer Lawrence is incredibly impressed. That is another good one. There is one where Lin-Manuel Miranda does the entire first verse of My Shot from Hamilton, and... Emily Blunt pretty much soaks the couch watching him do that. So check out Graham Norton. One of my favorite rabbit holes to go down is just stuff on his show. I got another one that was kind of like a homesteading, homeschooling, rationing, you know, kind of living off the land, um, taking care of your family, just kind of living on your own type stuff. I thought that was cool. I got tiny houses. I got cabins. I got mukbangs, which I had to look up, mukbangs after eating 100 milligram edibles. I do that not on video fucking for free. I can't believe that people are actually getting money doing that because I'll do that starting right now. One of my favorite ones, and this is dedicated to all you fucking rule breakers out there. You know who you are. Uh, Somebody, they sent me a Wikipedia rabbit hole and it is a wikipedia article that i've read several times before i love it it is about the deaths at disneyland there is a whole wikipedia page specifically dedicated to people who have died at disneyland and other disney parks around the world how they died and how it was covered up obviously disney is very protective over their brand so when accidents and deaths happen at the park they go a very long way to make sure that it does not get in the press. What they'll actually do is they have some sort of weird carte blanche with the county or something where they can remove the guest from the park so that when the guest is declared dead, they are not technically declared dead at Disneyland. It's really strange, it's really weird, but it is really interesting. So I definitely recommend looking that up if you have a little bit of time to kill. Because it is Halloween, let's finish the ABCs of Halloween right up front. We left off, let me look at my notes. I don't even, can't even understand my fucking notes, you guys. Let's, uh, we left off with the letter T. For the letter T, I am going to do Thriller right? It has to be. It has to be Thriller. Thriller is a Halloween staple at the gay bar last night. I think I heard Thriller six or seven times while we were there. Oh my god. Thriller is the first long-form music video that was ever done for MTV. I think it cost like 500 grand 
back in like 1983, 84, 85, which was like most expensive music video ever at the time. The video was directed by John Landis. This is another thing about the Thriller video is that it was the first video that I'm aware of that was directed by an actual legitimate movie director. John Landis did some of my all-time favorite movies. Landis did Blues Brothers. He directed Trading Places. He directed my favorite movie of all time, Coming to America. He directed An American Werewolf in London. He did Animal House. He did Three Amigos. A fun fact about John Landis is every single movie he has ever directed, he has an ad for a movie called See You Next Wednesday. It is a fake movie that only exists in the John Landis movie world. As far as the video and the dancing itself, because obviously the dancing is the most iconic part of Thriller, uh, Michael Jackson choreographed most of that dance on its own. He did partner up with, I'm sorry, I couldn't even tell you the other guy, but he did most of the choreography on his own. He partnered up with another choreographer to kind of help him polish it up. Michael rehearsed the dancers into exhaustion but they were so well rehearsed. If you watch the music video again, which you should, if there's anyone listening who hasn't watched the music video, I mean, you've gotta be shitting me, but watch the music video again. There are dozens of zombies dancing. Like I think at the top, there's like, at the most there, I think there's like, like four dozen, some crazy amount. You can see them if you watch all of them jump in the air and land. They all jump in the air and land at the exact same time. That is part of the choreography. Think about how hard that would be to synchronize, to have all of those dancers with all different heights and legs are different and feet are different, having to rehearse so much that you can jump and land at the same time as everybody else. That's how much those dancers rehearsed. And it's worth it, man. For the letter U, I am going to talk about Unsolved Mysteries, which is one of my all-time favorite things to watch. First, I want to talk about the old ones. Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I have been watching a lot of the old ones. The mustaches and the mullets that they got away with in the late 80s during the Talking Head interviews of Unsolved Mysteries were fucking wild. Like, everybody looked like either Hall or Oates in that show. The crazy thing about that is there were dudes that looked that way, right? With the mullet and the mustache and the gold chain with the chest hair that fucking rode the pussy train clear into their 30s. It's fucking crazy. And it's all about perspective, okay? I get that. Every generation has its own flavor of how people look ridiculous. Like these days, for example, we have motherfuckers looking like the human version of a death cab for cutie song they've got the bright pink shirts and the cuffed pants halfway up their shins drinking a fucking ipa but once you actually get them off the unicycle and into the sack they might come across as decent human beings right but back then women had to like actively try to avoid getting stray mullet hairs in their mouth when they were getting their back broke by these fucking guys it was just a different time women were in bars I mean, back then, they weren't even called bars. They called them discotheques. 
but women were in discotheques who had to find husbands that were fucking looking like Hall and Oates. That's the part that was fucking crazy to me. All right, I want to do a quick capsule review of the new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries that are on Netflix, which I do recommend. If you have not watched the new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, they are truly interesting. They are truly terrifying. Uh, Season three is on right now, and it is just as good as the first two. So I want to go through the episodes that have been released so far and just do a quick little thing for each one because I loved all of them. The first one was the tall girl, and I was certain that she had committed suicide until about three quarters of the way through the episode. By the way, there's going to be some spoil. I mean, it's Unsolved Mysteries. They die, right? If you don't realize they die, I can't fucking help you. But there's going to be a few plot point spoilers in here. But also, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not really ruining anything. I was certain that tall girl committed suicide until they found her shoes and her shorts. I'm torn about the way she was found on the railroad tracks, which I'm not going to get into it any more than that, just in case you haven't seen the episode, I recommend you do. But I will tell you that story has definitely got some fishy shit. The second story is, um, what was it? The UFO story. So I'm not a big UFO guy. When I was a kid, I loved the whole UFO thing. These days, I just don't really care. A lot of the videos that I see of UFOs are not interesting to me at all. I think that the government's doing a lot of crazy shit with a lot of technology that they just haven't told us that they have yet. It just bores me. I will say that the UFO episode in season three is one of the best non-murder stories in the new one so far. There was a bunch of people, I think there was like 600 people they said in this one like town or county or whatever it was. They saw some lights. They definitely saw something. It's a little bit weird, even though it was back in 94, it's a little bit weird that nobody got it on film. They had video cameras back then that were relatively readily available, but everyone saw something And it was the same thing that everybody saw. So some shit was definitely up there. Do I think that it was a, like a a government thing or whatever that is? You know, probably. It was probably some kind of government thing. So it was interesting, but I still didn't really, really care that much. The next one after that was that guy who got sliced up into pieces by his girlfriend. All I have to say about that is bitches be crazy, and and that's it. The one after that is the bearded, crazy-ass Vegas wrestling dude. This dude died at a Motel 6 in Vegas with coke in his beard, playing sex games with some bitch he picked up at a gas station. Where is the problem with that? What a fucking way to go. If I could pick the way to go right now, it would be that with absolutely zero changes. The next one was the Navajo one. It was that Skinwalker Navajo one. I didn't really like that one as much. They talked a lot about Bigfoot, which kind of bores me. So I, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to that one. 
it was just an episode of people talking about what it is they swear they saw. When talking about Bigfoot, they saw a very tall, muscular, wide shoulder, built like a tank, smells like a wet dog, large, huge, hairy beast. You guys, I got a couple of uncles I would describe the exact same way. They may have just seen one of my uncles. I have no fucking clue. The last one that they have released so far was about Josh. Josh was killed by a fellow student who was either dangerously in the closet like Josh was, or the student thought he was talking to a female online and found out the hard way that he was talking to a dude. Period. That's it. There is no mystery. You can Venmo the reward to at Atomic Skull Podcast. Thank you very much. The letter V is for virgin sacrifice. Now, if you don't know what a virgin sacrifice is, you need to get to a live performance of the Rocky Horror Picture Show stat. I saw Rocky live for the first time with my grandmother in San Francisco on a Saturday night at midnight in October. It is one of the coolest memories that I ever had from my childhood. She had a literal grocery list of things that we needed to get on the way. We had to get rice. We had to get newspaper. We had to get water guns. We had to get, fuck, I don't even remember. We got all the stuff that you're supposed to get for a live Rocky show. I was very confused. My grandmother told me that when we get there before the show starts, they make everybody who has never seen it live come up on stage and they do something to embarrass them. I am 15 years old. My whole life is an embarrassment. What I really didn't want was to have to go up on the stage to get even further embarrassed in front of a bunch of people who I thought were really cool. So I made a promise to not tell them it was my first time so that I didn't have to do the whole virgin sacrifice thing at my show, but it wasn't too bad. The 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 sacrifice, the ritual sacrifice that they did for all the virgins is they just took some red lipstick and they put a V on their forehead. No biggie. I would have that would have actually been totally fine. I've seen Rocky about a dozen times live since then. The best audience that I ever had uh, seeing Rocky was the last time I saw it in San Francisco, which was in the Castro. Doesn't get any better than that audience-wise. The worst audience that I ever had uh, was Tucson. I saw it on Halloween night at the loft in Tucson. I love the loft. It is an old school movie theater and they usually show killer old movies there, man. They show old Ed Wood movies. They've shown The Room there. Tommy Wiseau was there. They've shown a bunch of old stuff there that I love. It is a huge throwback. They did Rocky there one Halloween. I was super excited to go it was a bunch of young kids in the audience that had no fucking clue what to say, what to do. Nobody did the fucking time warp. It was a snooze fest. I was so pissed. They had a shadow cast there. Shadow cast was good, but there was also like a couple of higher dudes that were yelling all the things that you're supposed to yell at the screen. Nobody was yelling with them. It was me who, and I was in the back of the theater because I got there late. It was me in the back of the theater and these two dudes yelling all of the fucking things on stage that you were supposed to yell. And everybody else was just sitting there. 
I weep for the future. For W, I'm going to do Werewolf by Night, which was the Marvel horror movie special that was on Disney+. And I just want to do a Marvel Ho Alert for pretty much the rest of this episode. There's going to be some Marvel stuff coming up. So Marvel Ho Alert, you're just going to have to deal with it. The MCU is doing a bunch of different genres, and they're doing them really well. I loved Miss Marvel doing sort of the high school coming of age thing, and I'm loving the horror movie aspect of Werewolf by Night. It was all done in black and white. Everything was like an old school, you know, Hollywood horror movie. And those single episode specials that they're announcing, they did Werewolf by Night, which was great. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, which is coming up, looks amazing. Kevin Bacon is in the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, which Kevin Bacon doesn't get enough credit, by the way. I love Kevin Bacon, and I fucking really love Kevin Bacon movies. Tremors? Y'all ever seen Tremors? Tremors is one of the best worst movies of all time. I love Stir of Echoes. Stir of Echoes is a legit horror movie that gets way not enough credit. I love Wild Things. Might be in my top 15 movies of the 90s. And, and in Wild Things, you get full-on Kevin Bacon dick in that one. They open the shower door, and there he is with half a stock just soaping himself down like he's in one of my freaking fantasies. I wonder if he had a fluffer. Like, I'm kind of curious, because there was definitely a little action going on downstairs. Like, he wasn't completely flaccid. He, 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 was, he was doing some stuff, and... I wonder if there was a fluffer. I wonder if he just kind of went backstage. I wonder if he just turned around in front of the entire cast and crew and just kind of got himself together, you know, got himself started so that everything looked good for camera. I would be very curious about that. I hope at some point I get to ask him, Kevin, if you're listening, please come guest host with me so that I can ask you how you got your dick half hard during Wild Things. Another Kevin Bacon movie I love is A Few Good Men. I... I'm going to be talking about A Few Good Men almost certainly at another point down the line. So I'm going to graze over A Few Good Men for now. And then, of course, iconic Footloose. Can't talk about Kevin Bacon without talking about Footloose, the movie that has the scene in it where Kevin Bacon gets so goddamn angry at everything going on in his life, he just has to dance in an empty barn like you do. Who hasn't had to dance in an empty barn because they were so angry? The letter X is for xylophone. Xylophones are weird, aren't they? If you guys are expecting me to always be prepared with every single thing I'm doing all the time, you fucking try to find something Halloween related that starts with an X. Maybe next year when I do the ABCs of Halloween, I'll have an X ready to go on deck. But otherwise... Xylophones are scary enough for me to just use that as a free fucking pass to get to the next letter. Which is why. Why is for, yes, I will finish Dahmer eventually. I I did watch a few more episodes, so I am further. I'm a little bit over halfway now, still loving it, but I want to watch the whole thing before I talk about it even more. I have a lot to say about it. I just need to get time to finish it. Ryan Murphy, who is the showrunner 
for Dominer is Molten Lava Hot right now. The Watcher, which I also haven't seen, fucking surprise, surprise, is number one on Netflix right now. And Dahmer is the number three most watched Netflix series of all time. Netflix better be fucking sending every fucking gift basket to Ryan Murphy for every occasion for all the shit that he is doing for them right now because he's killing it. I'm excited to see what it is that he's going to do next. I hope it is with Netflix because Netflix is definitely letting him do what he wants and be who he is. And I hope whatever he does is great. For Z, we are going to end with one of my favorite Halloween horror, scary, comedy, all of it movies is Zombieland. Zombieland came out of nowhere. If you guys remember when it came out in the theater, I didn't really care. Like, you know, the trailer looked really cool, but it, it was just one of those like, all right, whatever. But holy shit, when I saw Zombieland, I was shocked it opened with for whom the bell tolls by metallica that intro might be one of my favorite fucking movie intros of all time woody harrelson was dynamite in that movie it was so nice to see woody harrelson do something great because as good of an actor as he is i really feel like people have put a collar on him as far as the movies that he's done so seeing him just kind of go a little bit fucking nuts was fantastic and it made me want twinkies which when do i not want twinkies my fucking fat ass leave twinkies all the time but i do hate snowballs and that is it you guys we're gonna put a bow on the abcs of halloween thank you for uh sticking with me through that whole thing i want to say that i am very ashamed at myself for not finishing Dahmer yet. I apologize to you. I apologize to me. Somehow I weirdly apologize to Dahmer, even though he's dead. I started a podcast to talk about shit that I watch. And now I spend so much fucking time doing this podcast, I don't have time to watch anything. Tell me that's not like rain on your wedding day. Somewhere Alanis Morissette is laughing her ass off right now hearing that. When I do watch TV lately with Mrs. What's-Her-Name. We're usually watching old shit or reality TV. Right now, it's mostly been Unsolved Mysteries and Intervention. We watch a lot of Intervention. It's a difficult and a serious show to watch. It's about people who are sick and they're living with an addiction that's killing them. And it's very sad and you might be thinking, there is nothing funny about the show Intervention. All right, you guys, don't hate me. But I do have a few thoughts. What junkie thinks that a camera crew is just following them around and documenting their addiction? And that is it. It's always a little bit fucking comical when there is a the, the addict that's an addict and they're literally in the middle of shooting up and they'll have a needle in their arm and they'll just get that that realization out of nowhere and they'll look up at the camera and go y'all aren't from that intervention show are you and like the whole crew is like no 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 absolutely nah definitely not meanwhile it fucking like says intervention on the side of the cameras they're all wearing t-shirts that with the intervention logo on it and in every episode of the show has the same 
cast when it comes to the actual intervention, like the actual you know thing at the end that we're all waiting for, right? Everybody's got the same. So you're looking at, so first you got the overbearing mom who is clearly the root of all the drug issues. And you can always spot the mom on site because she's wearing the loudest sweater. You got the dad or the stepdad, it's usually a stepdad, who is completely devoid of emotion throughout the entire episode until he actually reads his letter and starts crying like Edward James Olmos in literally every role he has ever fucking played in his entire fucking career. Find me a movie, I swear to God, you guys, find me a movie where Edward James Olmos isn't playing some type of dad figure and he doesn't break down in this insane scene just crying uncontrollably. It happens in every movie. That is his fucking career. That is what he gets paid for. Now, during special occasions of intervention, the roles of the mom and the dad might be flipped, but you can always count on one of them enabling their child's addiction with a constant stream of money. And then you've got either the sister who has gone way out of her way to overdo herself up for the cameras, or you've got the brother who, on the other end of the spectrum, couldn't even be bothered to wear a shirt with sleeves. Both of them look like they just came fresh from their shift at Applebee's. Now, if there is an adult addict, they have grown kids who are part of the intervention. Let me tell you something about those grown kids. You know when you're watching porn and there's that close-up shot of the back of some dude's balls when he's going to work on someone's son or daughter? Have you ever thought about the camera operator for that shot? Like what the camera operator needs to be doing to get that shot, like where they need to be and how close, like how intimately close they need to be to the back of that dude's balls when he's working. Those grown kids at the intervention look like they've been operating that camera and getting that particular shot for decades. Like their face, they're exhausted, completely exhausted and they're numb but they're also perpetually second-guessing every choice that they have ever made that's gotten them to that point. The part that always pisses me off during the interventions is the interventionist, the host, the master of ceremony. I don't even know. What do you fucking call the person? The person the show pays to show up and drag this addict to rehab. The interventionist we're going with interventionist is always a fucking smoker does that not strike anyone else as mildly fucking hypocritical that the person trying to get you to kick your dangerous addiction to an illegal substance is sucking down a lung destroying cancer causing highly taxed completely legal substance it's almost like the problem isn't the fact that the addiction can kill you the problem is that the substance they're addicted to isn't taxed. Boy, we are a long way from the purple vein dick jokes that I've promised you all of a sudden. The latest episodes of Intervention that are on Netflix right now are all filmed in Canada. So every single person on the show is super nice and there's just no drama whatsoever. You know what I mean? L listen, Sheila, we want to talk to you about maybe 
going to rehab for your problem because it's causing us a lot of pain and we don't even get to watch hockey as a family anymore. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Roll credits. I guess it's good for the families and all or whatever, but I watch Intervention because I want to see someone cut a bitch. And that's why I'm a terrible person. And if you think that makes me a terrible person, just wait. Because Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I, she's going to be so mad I'm telling you guys this. It's sick. Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I bet each other sexual favors on whether or not the addict stays in rehab once they agree to go. And I want you guys to know that when I do eventually end up in hell, I am going to have a corner office down there waiting for me. I want to move on here to the best and the worst of the week. The best of the week is the DC Universe. The Rock has been hyping up the release of Black Adam, and he was talking about a bunch of big changes coming to the DC Shared Universe, and now that the movie is out, I'll be damned if he wasn't actually right. And the DC Universe got two huge adrenaline injections this week. I had a request for a bit of a breakdown of the logistics of the whole shared movie universe thing. I'm going to use the Marvel Universe as an example. The head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a probably bald dude named Kevin Feige. I say he's probably bald because he never doesn't wear a fucking ball cap. I've literally seen the man at like the Academy Awards wearing a tux and a ball cap. And I don't mean to sound bitter or shitty about that, but that dude has my fucking career. So fuck him. <laughs> so he knows and loves comic books. He grew up reading comic books. And if you've ever seen the dude, he looks like he grew up reading comic books. Again, slightly bitter. Again, he has my career. Now, I've never met anyone over the age of six that hasn't seen at least one Marvel movie. But the snapshot of how it works is that each movie tells a story of at least one character, but each movie also feeds into an overarching bigger story involving all the characters from all the movies. The movies take place in the same universe, so the more movies that are made and the more characters that are introduced, the more characters end up crossing over into each other's movies and stories. Kevin Feige, Mr. Probably Bald Man, is sort of the mastermind behind all the stories in the individual movies, but is also the mastermind behind the bigger stories that happen across multiple characters' movies. He is in charge of what movies come out when, the overarching plot, just everything. He will literally give notes and ideas to the writers and the directors of each movie to make sure there's particular plot points worked into the scripts to further storylines in other movies that will be made years down the road. It is a huge and monumental task. Think of the whole movie universe as a Thanksgiving dinner table. I know, I know. Here come kids in with those fucking food metaphors. But suck my ass. This one's actually pretty good. Each director makes their own dish the way they like it, and they bring their dish to the table. Feige is like grandma. He's keeping all those dishes in check, right? Yo, Sam Raimi, 
you're bringing the sweet potatoes. You need to make sure there's plenty of brown sugar and do not burn the marshmallows. Yo, Taika Waititi, why the fuck are you trying to put ginger and lime in the cranberry sauce? And then everyone at the table puts a little bit of everyone's dish onto the plate and then boom, you got yourself an Avengers movie. Grandma's there to make sure that the turkey isn't dry, the potatoes aren't over whipped, and that three people don't bring a green bean casserole. It's a huge task, and he's doing an amazing job for the most part. Grandma definitely has had a few problems with some of the dishes that have been brought to the table over the years, but he has MCU movies announced through 2026, and he has them planned through 2032. I'm telling you that to tell you this. The DC movie universe, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, they just got a new grandma this week. Marvel and DC have always kind of been like Coke and Pepsi, both in writing on the page and then when it's translated over into the movie universe. When Marvel started interconnecting their movies, Warner Brothers, who owns DC movies, basically just said, we can do that. And they just sort of took a shot at it haphazardly. I have personally liked a lot of what DC movies have done, not everything, but overall, it hasn't really gone that well. DC has ended up going through a lot of grandmas who clearly thought that because they knew how to cook big meals, they could oversee Thanksgiving, but they were wrong. They would have like one director bring spaghetti to the table, another one would bring blankets, and the previous DC grandmas would just try to cover it with gravy and feed it to us. I don't know what is so hard about making a successful DC universe. I've said it before, I will say it again. Leave Jason Momoa's shirt off. Boom! There's your movie. As for the new grandmother of the DC universe, it is James Gunn. James Gunn is the writer and director of all three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The third one's going to be out next year. He wrote and directed the Suicide Squad movie. Not the one with the crazy Jared Leto Joker, but the one with sexy hot chocolate Idris Elba. He, uh, he also wrote the Scooby-Doo movies. Did you guys see the Scooby-Doo movies? Let's get real. Those movies are actually pretty fucking good. James Gunn is a nerd who knows comics. He knows his shit. He is a huge fan of DC Comics, just like he's a fan of Marvel Comics. He announced a couple of years ago that the third Guardians movie coming out next year would be his last Guardians movie, and this is fucking huge for DC. I think he's going to do a really amazing job. The second amazing thing that happened for DC this week is the announcement that Henry Cavill, who is pretty much a walking, talking ovulation inducer, is coming back as Superman. Everyone initially gave him a lot of shit for how they didn't like him as Superman because he was too fucking moody and stuff. But now the internet's throwing a fucking parade about it because he's coming back. I have three thoughts about that. First, people need something to fucking bitch about, no matter what it is. It can be the best thing in the world. People are still going to bitch about it. It's so annoying. Second, people crave familiarity and nostalgia. And that's why I think that they love Cavill coming back because it does seem familiar to them. Don Draper may or may not have done a whole ass monologue on that in Mad Men. I'm not sure. Mad Men used to be my 
go-to Netflix and chill selection way back when that was actually something that I was trying to do. So if there's any ladies out there listening right now who actually came over to my house and watched a full episode of Mad Men with me, I guess now's the time to tell you that the night did not go the way that I wanted it to. The third thing I have to say is I fucking love Henry Cavill as Superman. Always have. I cannot wait for him to come back. He can come on any back he wants. For the worst of the week, Kanye. I don't want to talk too much about Kanye. I've had a couple of people message me and ask me when I'm going to go all in on him. But I don't feel comfortable doing that. The dude needs help. I hope he gets help because he needs help, you guys. He is a genius. His first three albums, uh, 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 College Dropout, Late Registration, and Graduation, all masterpieces. Just don't fucking tell him that. But none of that excuses the shit that he's said and done, okay? He needs to be held accountable. I think he is being held accountable. He's losing everything he's worked so hard to build at a record pace, but... I just want him to get some help. He needs to get on medication. He needs to get himself figured out because I I think he's sick. Like I really honestly, truly think that his whole vision of reality is skewed. And from the heart, yeah, it's the worst of the week because he's just being the worst right now. But I really just hope that he gets himself figured out. Maybe he needs a conservatorship that definitely worked for Britney Spears. You guys, I did have a couple of other things that I wanted to get to this week for Halloween, but we're already running super long, and I don't want to keep you guys out here too much, so I think I'm going to save them for next week. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, Halloween for me is 365 days a year, so next week I'll give you a little little sneak peek. I'm not a fan of creepypasta. I don't really like creepypasta stories. They bore me. But I do have a couple of legitimately creepy stories that I've known for years that I want to tell you guys specifically for the express purpose of giving y'all the fucking heebie-jeebies. So next week, we're going to have a little Halloween leftovers. I wanted to end this week with a couple of obits. First... Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis passed away at the age of 87, and I'm bringing it up because this is once again where I am torn between the work and the man. For the work, he was one of the original artists signed to the legendary Sun Records. He brought the spirit of rock and roll to the masses. He is an incredibly talented piano player. He had hit after hit. He lit his piano on fire while performing songs. He has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, maybe even the Country Hall of Fame. He is a legend and an icon. He also married his 13-year-old first cousin when he was 22. He has been married a total of seven times. I wonder if he ever at any point started to realize the problem in his relationships was him. He has been arrested a ton. He may have fled America back in like the 70s and 80s and moved to Ireland to avoid paying back taxes. Now that he's gone, which do we celebrate? Do we celebrate his contribution or his controversy? I don't know. But what I do know is that the song of the week has to be 
Great Balls of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis, because despite all of that stuff I just mentioned, Great Balls of Fire is a personal favorite song of mine. That song is the shit. So that is going to be my song of the week. I'm going to add it to the Atomic Skull Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Uh, list is getting good. Check it out. The second RIP that I want to give is for Leslie Jordan, who is a sweet, funny, beautiful comedian who got into a car crash while having a serious medical issue like uh, I'm I'm not sure if they've released it it might have been a heart attack it might have been a, a stroke I don't know what it was but if you have ever seen his Instagram my favorite Instagram I mentioned last week is The Rock my second favorite Instagram is Leslie Jordan for sure I have been a huge fan of his since Will and Grace I know every word of every episode of every season of Will and Grace, and you can try me, bitch, on that one. I love that show. And Leslie Jordan played the character of Beverly Leslie, who was such a little Southern bitch. I loved him in that show. He did a phenomenal job. The way I end my episodes, you guys, is directly inspired by one of the things that Leslie says a lot in his videos that he posts and he even named his autobiography after it so a uh, huge respect to him that is going to be it for me for this week you guys i can't believe i ran so long i've got a lot of stuff so we're just kind of gonna continue this on to next week as always please follow my instagram if you haven't already at atomic skull podcast reach out to me uh, sending me any kind of articles that you would like me to take a look at uh, thomas gold podcast at gmail.com or just fucking slide into my dms shoot me a text y'all know how to reach out to me i look forward to talking at you guys again this next week in the words of the immortal leslie jordan how are y'all doing <laughs> <laughs>